to do part two of a series I started on the difference between the practical and the positional part of our Christian experience. I cannot overemphasize to you how these two areas are so confused. Um, even people that have been in the Bible a long time. Um, Brother Benny uh, has been talk, was talking to me, came over here from the Philippines. He was talking to me about eternal forgiveness, uh, subject of eternal forgiveness. And he wrote an article on it, had me read it. And I, uh, I honestly disagree with him. I disagree with him. I think what's happened is that, uh, and so many times people do this, that they... Uh, mix up our position in Christ and the, and the daily walk we have in Christ. Uh, whether, and I don't think it, it takes, you have to be too astute to notice um, that you're still in the body. Uh, you're not in heavenly places yet. Now you're positionally already there, but you're practically right here tonight. This is reality. And though we... Uh, you know, we're in the flesh. We don't, our weapons of our warfare are not flesh. They're spiritual. Mighty through God, tearing down, pulling down of strongholds. So I went over that last week. I'll not, not repeat it, but we showed a few verses last week that guarantee the Christian life uh, is generally at least one of personal sacrifice and suffering for Jesus. Interesting you picked that song. I talked about Pastor Pirate. Did you have that picked out before that? Wow. Well, I was there when he debuted that song at Bob Jones, and he had lost his eye earlier. And when you lose one eye, you lose depth perception. It's a real hard thing. A friend of mine lost his eye. He was under a car working on it, and a screwdriver fell off of the upper part of the motor and stuck him in the eye, blinded him. And he was like 12. And so for the rest of his life, and I, I, he worked for me for a while. It was Bob Jones. I had him working in floor covering, and uh, he could not nail tax strip. One thing he could not do for me was nail tax strip because he had, his depth perception wasn't. You have to have really good depth perception to nail tax strip, which is just about a quarter inch away from the wall. And so he couldn't do it. He could do about everything else, but he had coped with that, out that one eye. But it, 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 it changes, your, changes your world in some degree. And I know as you, as you sing those words, you see his progression. You see his spiritual progression down through dealing with that. Finally, the place that he says, because of this, I'll have more fruit. I believe Jim Denny told him, by the way, Ron Hamilton right now has pretty bad uh, Alzheimer's dementia to where I don't think he even knows. I don't know if he knows people anymore or not. But they... they um, But I know that, I think Jim Benny told me they had sold over 20 million copies of Passion Pirates. Now, he reached a whole lot more folks by losing that eye than he would have ever by keeping the eye. 
Now, he wouldn't have known that. And as you read through the song, you see him making that understanding. He begins to get, and he was young. He was in his early 20s, if I remember. He had to be. And uh, he, he, I remember when he, when he sang that, it was a moving, a lot of tears. And, and it's hard to get old students are stony-hearted. Sometimes 18 to 22-year-olds are some stony-hearted people. You know, because they don't have, really haven't lost anything, haven't, haven't sacrificed much. So they, they're pretty tough. And, but yet that group, that group at chapel that day was one probably dry eye in the house. It was, it was pretty moving. And now all these years, God has used that brother. I think he could say, if he was here, that his position in Christ was wonderful, but his practice was tough. He had some hard days. He had some hard days. And even now, Chris, like I said before, though, when you get Alzheimer's or dementia, you're, it don't bother you. It bothers everybody around you. But you don't even know what's going on, you know. Um, but we showed how the, 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 we didn't show every one of them. Of course not. It wasn't exhaustive. You wouldn't want to stay that long. But we showed a good portion of Scripture promising us suffering in this present life. I had one time an old Pentecostal girl tell me, well, God would never want me to suffer. And I thought to myself, I thought, I, in fact, I told her, have you not read the Bible? Have you not read the New Testament? Have you not read it? Well, she really hadn't. She'd just been listening to preachers uh, telling her and was parroting that to me. And I said, my, oh, my. Uh, suffering is one of God's favorite schools. It's one of his favorite ways to get fruit out of you. They call it pruning. And you can't read John 15 without seeing that there's three levels of pruning that go on in our life. And that's not the sermon tonight. But we showed the foundational principle of our purpose as a Christian last week. We showed that no Christian is exempt from representing Christ even unto death. I often pray, uh, may I be faithful unto death that I may receive a crown of life. Oh my, that's a good prayer. Uh, we noted that this can be done, this, this even to the place of, of death, or, and everything goes down to that, can be done with a deep sense of joy. Even happiness, uh, because we understand our position in Christ, that at the best, or if I may say the worst, the devil can throw at you and me, it's not going to last forever. You can almost take anything knowing that there's an end to it. That there actually will be, I, I tell people like, just, that, just like there was a beginning day, there will be an end day. Amen? Praise God for that. And we can go on by that. That helps us. Uh, so let's, let's examine some, tonight, some positional promises. Uh, and then end up with, a, with a, I want to go through a few of them. And then end up with a few comments at the end. Remember the five things. My wife said I confused her last week. That really made me feel good. So I'm going to try to make amends tonight. There are five uh, general observances about positional promises. Is that clear enough, Kathy? But, uh, and I'm going to give, the first one is we, we need to remember that they're appropriated. These positional promises are appropriated uh, by faith. They're appropriated by faith, not by sight. These promises, these positional promises are eternal in their nature. They are, are as when you get saved, they become our, our immediate possession. 
Uh, you're not going to have them more down the road than you got them now. You, you've been given them. They've been given you them by Christ. Uh, they cannot be possessed or attained by good works or personal merit. These are things that God says you have because you trusted in his son. And that you can only understand them uh, by, real, by divine revelation. The Holy Spirit has to enlighten you and illumine you to see them by faith. So let me go through a listing of some of these, the highlighted ones, the ones that I, I thought would be most encouraging. First of all, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and don't try to take all these verses down, it's going to be too many. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, the Bible says we have a, a possession that we are a new creation or creature in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a creation. I am not the way I used to be. I have been categorically transformed, changed from inside out by the Holy Spirit. I cannot be the same. Uh, we are also, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we're a chosen generation. I can't tell you the, the encouragement I got when a professor, Bob Jones, told me, in fact, told the whole class, of all the young people in the world, you're sitting here in school, in a fundamental Bible-believing school, 1970, and you're in this class, uh, have the privilege of being on this in this place, at this campus, with these teachers, with a chapel, and all that's going on here. Imagine how many people, Christian young people in the world your age, would just give everything they could give to be here. And I got it hit me. Uh, he started that little speech because there was a couple guys sleeping in class. And he said, how dare you sleep during this opportunity? And so I tell you, I never slept because I, I, I was paying my way through. A lot, of them, a lot of them kids had their moms and dads paying their way through. And I noticed a definite difference between the kids whose parents paid their way through and the kids who paid their way through. There's a difference between that two, that, those two groups. When you're out there slaving, working, doing the staying up to two in the morning, get up at five, to just to have you value that, man. There's nothing like it. My dad offered to help me. I said no. He offered to call me and say, "I want to help you." I said, "No, I don't want your help. I want to be able to do this. I believe there's a God that can make it happen." It happened. I'm gonna say this statement, and I know it's gonna. It may you may disagree with it, and that'd be fine. But I don't think you have to pay your kids' way through Christian school. I don't think you have to do that. I think there are, there, they can make it through on their own without you giving them a dime. They can do it. If they work hard, they put their head down, they start saving up their sophomore year of high school, start working every job they can, going out and find a job, get aggressive, save your money. They'll have their first year or two saved before they ever go to college. Now, I know where I'm talking. And I've seen it done over and over again. We're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, that, that's a position. I don't feel very chosen. How about you? I don't feel too chosen. I, I, a lot of times, I don't feel too royal. I, I don't feel too holy. 
Uh, I, I do feel peculiar. But, but uh, really the word peculiar there is a circle with a dot in the middle. God is surrounding you. And we're, we're a posi- another position we have is we're considered his workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For ye are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's the position we have. We're his workmanship. Uh, in Romans 8, 37, it says we are more than conquerors. I, don't, I tell you what, I don't feel more than a conqueror a lot of times, but it's a position. I've been given, I'm a more, than, ultimately, in Christ, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. All I need to do is claim these things. When you want to get down in your practice, and practice has got you beaten, pinned to the ground, you got to go back over this stuff and say, by the grace of God, this is my future. When the devil comes to you and whispers uh, that old hissing, whispering in your ear to tell you there is no God and he don't care about you and it's not really true, you take him to these promises and you say, by the grace of God, these are so. According to John 1, 12, we're sons of God. For as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. According to 2 Corinthians 5, 21, we are made in the righteousness of God in Christ. We're, we are the righteousness of God. It's amazing. God has given us his righteousness that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I, I look at my life, and, and, and even, and I'm going to tell you, don't get thinking that when you get real old, you get real sanctified. Uh, you, you, let me tell you, I, I struggle daily. I wrestle daily with my eyes and my mind and my, my, I want, and my mouth. I know you have a term, hard time believing that. But the Bible says if you don't sin with your mouth, you've got the whole body under control. So don't act, don't act like, oh, I can control my tongue. Oh, really? No man's ever controlled the tongue. I've been told that I'm, I'm a branch of Jesus. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine. Ye are the branches. You've been, a, you've been made a branch of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Your body is the very temple, the holy of holies of the Holy Ghost. That's a position. Um, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We've been given that. That's a position in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says, uh, you are recon- He's reconciled us to himself. God reconciled him- us to him and, and him to us. It was a two-directional thing. The Bible says God's angry with the wicked every day. I believe that's Psalm 711. Uh, that's a, that's a seven, that, that is, he's angry with the wicked every day. But brother, when I got saved, that anger went from me to Jesus because he took it on the cross. And I became reconciled because now that I'm in Christ positionally, he looks at me through his son. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. I'm a child of God. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, you're reconciled to himself. I'm redeemed by his blood. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says, for much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold, 
your vain conversation or way of life received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus, of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, I've been brought near. That's a physician. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. I have access to God. Why would God hear my prayer? Of all the billions in this world, sometimes the devil will say, God's not listening to you. Your prayers aren't going anywhere. You're faking yourself out. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. Bible says your prayers, you, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12 says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by, uh, by the faith of him. We have boldness, holy boldness, not arrogance. Oh, no. Humility-driven boldness. Humbling us even more that he has given us, us the ability to have this access, that he's there. I can't, you won't want to stay tonight to hear the times in my life that I've had to have God help me right now. It can't be five minutes down the road. And he came. Direct access to the very throne room of God. Wow. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us come boldly under the throne of grace that we may receive, obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Oh, but, oh here's, it just gets better and better. Galatians chapter 4, verse 7 says, We're an heir of God. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. If a son, then an heir of God. <clears throat> People want to brag sometimes on their lineage. I, my wife and I went out to the Hearst Castle. How many here have been to the Hearst Castle? You've been there? Hearst Castle? The Hearst Castle. We took a tour of the Hearst Castle. Now my wife's been wanting to go. I've heard about, I have literally heard about the Hearst Castle my whole life. And uh, if I, if I, I think one of the Hearst was alive. It was a kid, I think. When I, but anyway, this guy built this castle on the side of a mountain about three, four miles from the coast. Unbelievable. He owned as far as the eye could see. It was un, just phenomenal. And he built this place. It, in fact, it, he, he, I think it was Kathy, 46 years or something. He never did finish the thing. And, oh, people really got, oh, if you got invited to the Hearst Castle, because it was invitation only, that was a big deal. I mean, if you got invited, Jayla, to come up and have a little brunch or something to the Hearst Castle, whoo. He had his own personal zoo, one of the biggest zoos around. He had his own personal zoo, all from Africa. He had lions on his property running around. He had, he had zebras running around. He had all kinds of, he, he brought herds from over from Africa. Over. It was unbelievable. It's all, you know, the place is made out of stone and, you know, the material. And just, we, we got to go up into his bedroom, got to go up into the secret chambers, got to got to tour the whole place. Here's where the guests stayed, and here's where this stayed, you know, and all this. And I thought about this. And people, they get really, oh, I'm a Hearst heir. Well, you got nothing to brag about. But if you're an heir of God that made everything, when you get on them, right, when you go up there, oh, bro, I better not even start on this, but when you get up there in the, uh, 
the ice fields in Canada. And you look in Banff and some of them places, the Rockies in Canada, I have to say it, and I really, I hate to say it, but the Rockies in Canada are more beautiful than the Rockies in the United States. They're bigger, taller, bigger, badder, taller. And they got a road that goes right through them called the ice fields. And I mean, it's just, you got to go. And it snowed in August, right in the middle of August, snow, big old snowflakes. And that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, and, and you go up there and you just, ooh, ah, ooh. And I got to think of, that's my, my father. My father. I'm an heir of the one who designed all this. I'm the heir of the one who made all this. And that humbles you. It doesn't make you arrogant because that's all been by grace. I didn't earn it. Don't deserve it. You don't earn it. Don't deserve it. But he says, you got it. I'm giving it to you. I'm not going to refer to you anymore as a servant, but an heir of God. That's what it says, direct out of the Bible. Romans 3.24 says we're justified, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption is in Christ Jesus. I don't have time to explain justification other than you've been declared not guilty. And you've been declared righteous. We've been sanctified. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, uh, but you were washed but you are sanctified. That's set apart from evil and set apart to God. Um, in Ephesians 1, 6, it says we have been made acceptable or accepted in the beloved. It says that our name is written down in a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. I just finished the book of Revelation. In the last chapter of the book of Revelation, it says, and they that... They have access to the tree of life and the water of life, those who have their name in the Lamb's Book of Life. All I can tell you tonight, if you're here, you need to make sure your name's written in this Lamb's Book of Life. We're accepted in the beloved. That's a gift. It's a position. Ephesians 1, 6 says, uh, and that's what it was, Ephesians 1, 6, we're accepted. We're forgiven. Now, this, is, this gets bigger as we go here. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, 14. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, that's made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. You know the devil. He's so vicious. When you're down, he, he pounces you and says, you are down because you're no good. You're no good, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. And he just keeps repeating that. You're no good. And all I say, I'm not, but Jesus is. I'm no good. I confessed that long time ago. And I've confessed it before groups of people through the years. I'm no good, but Christ is. And my claim to goodness is in Christ Jesus, and there is no other claim. He says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, that's the law, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. I love that. You know, positionally, we've been declared unblameable. Uh, it, we find that in Colossians 1, 21, 22. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now, you know that's positional. Because you're not unreprovable and you're not unblameable now. But yet, positionally, you are. You know, that's, the, that's a beautiful example of the practice versus the position. 
practically, I'm not unblameable. All you got to do is go to my staff. They'll tell you plenty. Oh, you, tell me some faults Pastor tell has. Well, how much time you got? Uh, but don't reverse it. Don't ask me. I mean, because I'd say, oh, they're just beautiful. We're complete in him. Colossians 2.10. You're complete in him. He's the head of the, he, who is the head of all principality and power. And then in Colossians 1, in Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 3, it says, for ye are dead, in fact, verse 3 is all I want to talk about, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. I have died figuratively, spiritually, and now I have been resurrected in Christ Jesus. I got to stop here because this is a, huge subject. It's massive. The problem is the process of remembering and implementing these positional promises, and there are more of them, uh, in our minds on a daily basis. Because as we struggle through the war of life, we wrestle against principalities and against powers, against uh, wickedness and high places, forces of darkness. We fight Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith. We fight. This is, this is no cakewalk, this thing called the Christian life. We struggle against contrary elements. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. I would like to be perfect. That's what I would do. And then I do stupid stuff. And I say stupid stuff. And hurtful stuff. To some of the people I love the most. We're called on to endure hardness as a good soldier. That's the practical side of it. It talks about us warring in this side of heaven. We must remind ourselves that in the heat of this battle, we have won. We have won. These are they who've won the battle. They've won the battle. You are overcomers. I don't think there's a hopeless situation. As a born-again Christian, there's not a hopeless situation. That we are winning, and by the grace of God, will win that he which hath begun a good work in us will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. He has to help me where I cannot help myself, and he will. Oh, I don't think we're going to be considered winners as the world considers people winners. No, no. We're considered by the world as an off-scouring, as the rejects, as Lenin may say, uh, the weak and feeble-minded people that have to have a crutch called religion. That's what they think of us. Well, if you don't, lately you, you've heard what they think of us, haven't you, watched the news at all? But rejoice, my beat-up and suffering brothers and sisters. God's plan is being accomplished and being done practically, through your suffering, and, and as that's going on, we 
cheer ourselves positionally in the promises of God. I can't tell you how many times when I've been in the darkness of a struggle, I've gone to these positional promises and just read them and just said, Lord, even though everything in your body says no, your spirit says yes, yes. This process we call living and suffering for Christ, all of it contributes to the preaching of the cross. How does it do it? Well, Colossians 1.24, probably the clearest place of all Scripture, that, that says it this way, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. Paul suffered so that the, the churches in Galatian, Colossians, all these other churches he went to could get the gospel. You, you know that. He suffered to get the gospel to him. And he says, and fill up that which is behind in, of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. In other words, what is Paul saying there is, there, to get the gospel to where it needs to go, there's a certain degree of suffering has to be paid. There's a price that has to be paid. When, when you, you want to get the gospel to every house, every available house in our ministry area, that's North Naples, Bonita and Southern Fort Myers there. Do you want to get the gospel to every house? Do you feel somewhat responsible that you at least, because they live within a certain distance of this church, that we ought to be responsible to get at least the gospel, at least one time come to their house and give them a chance to be saved, leave something for them, some way or another. That's just one way. And we do that by going door to door, don't we? Or we do that by the bus ministry. Have you ever suffered on a bus, Brother Nick? Oh, yeah, you have. Brother Nick's one of the few bus drivers that refused air condition. He's sorry he ever told me that. No, at the time, he was delusional, but he did say that. But is it hot on a bus once in a while, Brother Tom? Is it a little bit? Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, do the kids act up once in a while, Brother Wolf? I mean, do you, do you, do, hey, hey, Sunday school teachers, do you sometimes try to teach a lesson you got a demon in your class? Or, 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 or better than that, you lady Sunday school teachers, your husband acts like a, on the way to church? Mm-hmm. Just before you got to teach a Sunday school you get to teach a Sunday school lesson, and you want to be spiritual, and he's so carnal. I don't know why you volunteer for this Sunday school class. I want to sit with you in a Sunday school, and I'm going bop, 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 bop. Flesh, 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 flesh. There's war. We wrestle. Expect it. Practically, it's going to happen. But that suffering is required it's part of the price that has to be paid to get the gospel to where it needs to go. Jesus is for mass evangelism. Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, that's mass evangelism, right? And so he says, get out there. Oh, I, I don't think he's against friendship evangelism. I don't think he's against relational evangelism. I don't think he's against any kind of evangelism. But he sure enough is for mass evangelism, 
where you're taking the seed and just chucking it out there, throwing it out there, and it lands where it lands, and let the Spirit figure all that out. He's for that. And it takes a certain amount of your suffering to get it there. Ooh. We had 38 people go door to door. Those 38 people, in some degree, suffered to get to those 580 doors. When, when, when I believe Brother Moon said 580 tracks, that's about 580 doors. That's 580 houses. I know I did. I know I don't know what happened, but it was cool in the morning when we got here. But by the time I got to that second street, I was cooking, man. I was like cooking. I was sweating. I was wet. I was wet. I mean, clothes were wet. And I wasn't feeling good. And I got an attack. And I had to, Laylee was with me, and I had to send Laylee to find my wife. And uh, Billy, I think, were together. And I had to say, I got to go back to the car. I can't, I can't go any further. And uh, I was suffering. And, but that's what it takes. I could have stayed home just as easily. But I thought, you know what? This is my moment to shine. Uh, when I used to have the gout so bad and every step was pain, um, I thought, well, Lord Jesus, you didn't stop because of pain on the way to Calvary, did you? You didn't stop. Paul didn't stop. Apostles didn't stop. Nobody with any kind of gumptions had stopped. The, they filled up that which was behind in the sufferings of Christ to get the gospel where it's got to go. I'll never forget, and I'll tell you, I'll stop here. Bill Joyce. Wow, what a memory. Sometimes I got no memory, and other days I'm clear. But Bill Joyce, Bill Joyce had a bad hip, real bad, bone to bone. And when he walked, he walked, I've said this before, he would do this. How am I doing? That's it. I'll never forget it. Now, for you that have never had any pain, you think, well, he's just limping. No, he wasn't just limping. That was a knife stick in him every time he put weight on that. Uh-uh. 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 He didn't make any noise. Uh-uh. And I walked with that old boy two miles door to door. I was walking, no pain. He was walking, every step was pain. Filling up that which is behind in the sufferings of Christ. In other words, it takes certain amount of suffering to get the gospel to where it's got to go. Missionaries pay it all the time. They leave their families. They leave their country. They do it all the time. We do it. You people go to a nursing home. You people go to different places. You give up your time. You people ride the buses, drive the buses, go on Wednesday night. That's all part of it. But in the midst of this suffering, we can be encouraged that positionally, doggies. Things are good. Things are real good. Things are super good. Things are supercalifragicexpialidocious good. I don't know how to spell it, but it sounds good. I think I ought to ask Siri how to spell that. But I'm going to tell you what, folks. Don't you let the devil get in your ear and, oh, I'm going to quit. Are you kidding? Jesus didn't quit. All those we we have two thousand years of, of of ancestry of people that were willing to do whatever it took to get the gospel out. 
And we are their children. And let's have some children ourselves. And we've had some children. And let's have some more children by the grace of God. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for your kindnesses. Past finding out they are. Thank you for the sufferings that you have brought our way that have made us better Christians. Father, help us to fill up that which is behind the sufferings of Christ. Father, we pray that we'd not be a bunch of sissies, but that we'd, we'd endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, understanding we have a mission to complete, a goal to meet, a war to win, and an enemy to oppose. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand again. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.